0: All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, Nine o'clock in Canada, just stunned, shocked. The World Junior Hockey Championship, Jakob Stansel, scores with 11 seconds left in the third period to give the Czechs a 3-2 win over Canada. The tournament is over. There will be a new World Junior Champion. The country stunned. Canadian hockey, oof going to be a tough one to swallow not getting at least to the semifinals uh time now for the puck report brought to you by fountain tire fountain tire is more than just tires they offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanics visit dot tire.com to see all the mechanical services they offer as we welcome in uh, jeff baker from the seattle times back to the program good morning jeff and happy new year to you
1: Happy New Year to you too. I'm not sure I can follow up
0: that uh, oh. that, that great news you just dropped. <laughs> I, gonna... I mean, uh, you know, it opens the door again. I mean, the Americans uh, at the World Juniors are probably the favorite. Uh, we're the favorite coming in to win the gold medal, but now you've got a, a team like Canada that is out. But having said that, Czechs played well in this game. Uh, how much play do you, does before we get to yesterday's game? How much play does the World Juniors get uh, in your neck of the woods?
1: It's starting to get a little bit more. I mean, I know it obviously from growing up in Canada, mm-hmm. but uh, you know the people here are, are starting to get to know it. It helps that you know that to a crack and have uh, a few prospects on various teams, uh, including Edward uh, Shaw, their uh, their first-round pick from from this past year. I mean, so that helps them follow it a little bit but it's still not widely covered out here. i mean there's a lot of football going on right now out in seattle and so uh so that takes center stage
0: mm-hmm. how much fun was yesterday's uh, winter classic in seattle a, a three nothing victory uh over vegas
1: it was a lot of uh it was a lot of fun it was surprisingly fun i think I mean, it didn't get a whole lot of publicity leading into it so I think you know the one thing it wasn't at risk of being overhyped definitely in this city I mean there was a lot going on this weekend they had a, they had a Seahawks NFL game against the Pittsburgh Steelers um, that was on uh, on Sunday and then last night they had the Washington Huskies playing a semifinal game for college football down here uh, and, and that was really the big sporting event of the day that was on people's minds and whereas sandwiched in between, you had the Winter Classic, and, and you know nobody really knew what to make of it. But I, I gotta say, it, it it went off really, really well. They got very lucky with the weather um, because there was no rain. Uh, there was a lot of fog in the morning, and that burned off late morning. And and so they really had, they had a perfect day uh, here as far as far as hockey goes. Um, the crowd was really into it. It was great. They did a, the N, the NHL put on a great show. And uh, the Kraken ended up winning three nothing, so uh, they couldn't have played a better game against the Golden Knights. And I, I think they did a really good job selling hockey here locally. Uh, what, was it going to be the number one sporting event on the city's mind this weekend? No, it, it wasn't, and, and that's a reality the Kraken have to face. They they have to keep um, their, their foot, you know, their, their pedal, their their foot on the gas pedal. So. To Marketing-wise, and, and just try to make as many inroads as they can here. Uh, but they're, they're never—they're not—not never—but they're not going to be the number one sport. They're not going to beat the NFL team as far as popularity goes. And, and when the Huskies are playing for a national championship, they're really not going to outshine them either. But I think they did a good job, kind of keeping their place within the city's uh, sports hierarchy. They definitely drew a lot more attention to themselves, um, and they definitely converted—I'm sure—a a lot of new hockey fans.
0: Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times, our guest on Sports 1440. What did you make of the uh, outfits that the, the teams wore uh, heading in to the stadium?
1: Well, that, that's kind of what I was just touching on. It was great. I, I mean, we got to see more of that uh, locally from the crack, and I think generally from the NHL. I think the NHL, of all the major sports, probably does the least amount of work as far as promoting player personalities. Um, and I can say that having covered a lot of the major sports, I, I, you just don't see it as much with hockey. So it was great to see it from the Kraken. And, you know, honestly, it doesn't matter whether the Edmonton Oilers want to market themselves locally in Edmonton. I mean, that's a hockey town. It's, it's a, you know, Stanley cup winning hockey town. They got decades of tradition. They're, uh, you know, a century worth of hockey tradition professionally, they don't have that here in Seattle, and they really have to, they have to work on that. They have to work on the marketing aspect. I, think, I thought it was great. I thought this was a real um, step forward for the Kraken as an organization, marketing uh, the players, marketing themselves. A lot of that had to do with the NHL running the event, uh, and I think the Kraken have to keep this up locally. I think uh, that we need to see more of that from the team to try to build a connection here, sporting-wise, within the city.
0: Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, Jeff, last we talked, I was up in the press box uh, when the Kraken were here, and I was telling you that Grant Few, our normal Tuesday co-host, uh, who does uh, the uh, Kraken farm team uh, color in Coachella Valley, he just raved and raved about uh, Joey Decord and how he saw him grow as a goaltender last year. And now you have the chance of Joey, Joey. Uh, yesterday, what do you make of uh, how he's playing uh, for the Kraken in goal?
1: Well, I'm never going to with grand fear about both. <laughs> I'm i not that crazy. But uh, uh, other than that, I remember our conversation up in the press box. And at the time, Joey Decord, you know, the one thing, he, he would play really well to start games. Uh, it was the finish of games that he was having problems with. And I think we we discussed that a little bit, and then he went out that night, and the Kraken had a three-one lead in the third period, and ended up giving up uh, two goals in the final six minutes of the game and losing in overtime. And that was Joey DeCourt in a nutshell. Up until that point, since that, since around that, since since a couple of weeks after that game, I would say it was the last uh, month or so. The has flipped the switch entirely, and he's stopped allowing the floodgates to open in the third period. He's he's been able, by his own words, to finish games more than he was doing at that point. And so now you've got a guy who not only plays well the first two periods, but then shuts things down in the third period. And that's what he's been doing. You look at his numbers over the last ten games or so. I think his save percentage is like nine forty-seven. Uh, his goals against average is, is about one point five a game. Uh, He's got two shutouts, first two career shutouts during that period. I mean, he's been unbelievable. And it's a big reason why the Kraken have climbed in the standings because, let's face it, the Kraken were never an offensive juggernaut to begin with. And right now they have trouble scoring more than three goals a game. They they oftentimes have trouble scoring more than two goals a game. Uh, But they've been winning those games now. Uh, I think they've had two games in their last 17 where they've scored uh, more than three goals. And, And yet... During this streak that they're on right now, they're on a franchise record uh, point streak, nine games. And I think out of those nine, they've had uh, more than three goals only once. And they've, <laughs> they've scored two goals or fewer in something like six of those games. Uh, but they keep winning because of DeCourt. And uh, right now he's their number one goalie, and he's probably going to be their number one goalie the rest of the season unless something uh, unless he goes off a cliff. Uh, Philip Grubauer's hurt right now, but... Uh, I, I just don't see him coming back and taking over the number one job, the way the court's playing. The team has a lot of confidence with him back there, and uh, it, it's a complete transformation, uh, standings-wise, from where they were. And uh, just, just uh, the, the ability to win games where they don't need to score four or five goals to win is it, just completely flipped for them.
0: Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Jeff, not very often uh, is a, does a defenseman lead the team in scoring at this point of the season, but that is the case in Seattle with Vince Dunn with uh, six goals, 25 assists, 31 points. Uh, what can you say about how well Dunn has played, not just defensively, but defensively as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, my hats off. Or my hats are off to this guy. Uh, he he went to Toronto in the off season, worked out with Gary Roberts at his high performance academy, and and he came back. I I'll tell you what, I saw his forearms when he came back to training camp, and I said, your forearms are bigger than my legs. And he laughed and he, he told me all about the work he had done with Roberts. He wanted to have more physical strength for the defensive part of his game. You know, being able to shove guys off in the corners a little bit better. And he's not the biggest guy, height wise. You know, but but he's definitely got some some girth to him now, and uh, he's made the defensive part of his game a, a main focus of his uh, his improvement. It, this from from even the start of last season till till uh, midway through this season now, uh, and you know, let's face it, he was a prime candidate for a drop off in performance. You know, he had that career year last season, went out, parlayed that into a new four year contract extension and you know folks are thinking okay will he be able to approximate what he did last year maybe but no he's gone out and he's matched that he's shown it wasn't a fluke it wasn't a one-off um like you said he leads the team in scoring i think he's going to be at the all-star game when they announce uh when they start announcing players this week i I think it makes sense to send him to the all-star game i mean he grew up in the in the toronto area and so uh you know what a story Mm -hmm. it's just uh, it's just great to see that happening for him and i think he's He's kind of uh, settling into that leadership role that uh, somebody, I mean, he's not the oldest guy, but I think he's starting to take on more of the leadership uh, within, the, within the dressing room and just by how he performs on the ice.
0: We're with uh, Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times on Sports 1440. Maddie Benares, uh, Jeff, had a, a slow start, but would you say his game has been uh, picking up of late?
1: It's been okay um he's he's started to look a little bit better now that they've brought on uh, Thomas Tatar um, through that trade they did with Colorado uh, Tatar has been a nice addition to the line with with veneers and Jordan Everly uh, probably still not producing at the level that they would like but i, I think I think what Tatar brings is uh, i mean he he's a very good puck handler clearly i mean and when he goes through the neutral zone i mean the guys try to slow him down and, and they don't even touch him. You know, it's amazing how depthly he's able to, to just, just maneuver through people. And and so he, the zone entries are starting to look a little bit better and it kind of frees the up to do a little bit more of what he does. I, I think, you know, he scored a big goal about a week and a half ago and uh, that was down in, um, I believe it was in LA or Dallas and, he really started to take over from that point on. He really uh, started – it was in Dallas, actually, and the Kraken were losing by a pair. Benier scored, and then he really took the game over. They need to see a little bit more of that from him. They need to see him hold on to the puck a little bit longer, wait for plays to develop, and then make them. I, I think where he's he's kind of been off a bit uh, going on a year now, it's just uh, he, he got blindsided by Tyler Myers. Suffered a concussion last January, 12 months ago. Uh, was out for about a month. And his game hasn't looked the same since. I think he rushes a little too much at times. Um, he, he's, he's, he's still trying to learn how to avoid the physical targeting that's been directed his way by opposing players. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's welcomed that, but his, his production's still not back to where it needs, needs to be. And this team really needs him to step it up. If they're if they're going to go forward and try to make the playoffs again um, the fact we're even talking playoffs is a miracle considering what this team went through the first two months but now've they've, they've kind of played their way back into contention but they do need veneers to step it up, and everly as well yeah. I mean uh, you know everly's 33 um, I, but i I find it hard to believe his career has gone that much off a cliff from one year to the next I think it's just a function of the entire line needs to uh needs to start playing better and, and hopefully Tatar will help that in the long term.
0: Did Eberly, you know, when he had the the skate cut to his thigh, uh was has he kind of totally recovered from that, you think?
1: You know, that's an excellent question. And you're right, you know, we forget that sometimes. I mean he suffered a really serious cut. And you know, has he recovered? I mean, he's out there every night, so I assume he's healthy enough to play, but I mean only he knows whether or not he's still feeling that um the the uh, ramifications of that. I mean, that's something pretty serious to have to overcome in season. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, he was struggling before that. So I don't know that you could attribute all of that to his drop in production. But, uh, you know, it's probably playing a bit of a, a factor in there, and it probably set him back more than he needed mm-hmm. to be in the season where he was already uh, somewhat set back. But, uh, I mean, the team as a whole right now has adopted a, a defensive mindset of sorts. So I mean I don't want to you know jump all over the lack of offensive production here. Some of that's by design. I mean this team realizes they're not they're not going to score five and like they were doing last season at times. And I think they're they're more towards playing a technically sound game on both ends of the ice now and winning those three to two and two to one games, which they've started to do. They hadn't done that at all in the first two and a half months, and now. Uh, they're suddenly doing it over the last 10 games or so. Uh, and, and so I think that's playing into the lack of production as well. Um, the, you know, the guys aren't going out trying to get their 20-goal seasons, 25-goal seasons. They're, they're trying to make sure they don't give up goals when mm-hmm. they're on the ice. And that, that was a big problem for Beniers early. He was leading the team in plus-minus. There were a lot of goals going in when he was on the ice. It's, it, that part has kind of slowed down a bit.
0: Uh, Jeff, just on the Washington Huskies going to the uh, national championship, first time in school history, uh, what's the buzz? You did touch on it uh, off the top, but, I mean, uh, the whole state must be going bananas right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny. I, I always say that Seattle is one of the last big cities in America with major pro sports that actually cares that much about college <laughs> football. But they do here. You know, this isn't Alabama. It's not Georgia. But they do care about it here, Um long Tradition for the Huskies, uh, going back a century or more, and and so uh, they haven't won a national title here since 1991, uh, and there's been a lot of there was an 0 and 12 season in 2008 mixed in there as well. So they've had their struggles over the last uh, the past couple of decades, and uh, so this is a welcome sign. Uh, they were in the national semifinal about six seven years ago, lost to Alabama, but now they they won. They're in the national championship, so th- this is going to be the team that everybody's focused on for the next week or so. And then after that, we'll see whether the Seahawks can make the playoffs. And then, you know, if they don't or or they do and they play it out after that, only after that will the Kraken have the, the yeah. number one spotlight in town. That's just the way it is. I mean, that this wasn't Vegas, which had no teams when, when the Golden Knights went there seven years ago. This was a city that already had plenty of well-established Professional sports teams, major professional sports teams, and a major college team, and so this is the stuff that the Kraken have to deal with—the reality in their market. They're not going to be the Golden Knights 2.0. They have to—they have to be the Kraken 1.0—and and make their way with the realities they have to face
0: well it's night and day comparing seattle and, and vegas what the the two cities two franchises uh had to go and still have to go to get where uh, they want to be uh, jeff th- thanks so much for this uh, appreciate your time uh good luck in 2024 happy new year again and uh take care we'll talk soon
1: Same to you, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks in Edmonton.
0: You bet you will. Uh, That is uh, Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings when we come back. Oh, boy, it's the whole new look. Toronto Raptors. uh, We will check in with uh, Ian Harrison. uh, Covers the Raptors. That's coming up after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. In case you missed it, uh, oh, tough, tough, tough loss for Canada at the World Junior Hockey Championship in quarterfinal play. Czech scores with 11 seconds left in the third period. Jakob Stansel, with his uh, second of the contest, gives Czech a 3-2 win over Canada. The Canadian, the tournament is over for the Canadians. They will not advance to the semifinal. They will not have a chance for a three-peat. There will be a new world junior hockey champion. So, basically two, well, I mean late, late goals. uh, One uh, by Czech, one by Finland. Finland scores in overtime to beat Slovakia 4-3 in overtime. Basically, this is an overtime goal with 11 seconds left. Uh, Canada could not mount a a last-second comeback. 3-2 Czech over Canada. So, It's uh, Czechs and Finland off to the semifinals. On the ice right now is uh, the United States taking on Latvia. And then uh, Switzerland and Sweden will uh, check in after that game. Uh, We're going to talk a little basketball right now. Toronto Raptors with a 124-121 victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. And basically... This is a new era of Raptors basketball It's a totally new team It's uh, an imprint that uh, You know, you look at when they won The NBA championship To where they are now This is a totally new look A new era, a new uh, movement uh, Into the future with the Toronto Raptors After a big trade uh, last week And to talk all about it is Ian Harrison From the Associated Press Uh, Ian, uh, welcome to Sports 1440 Happy New Year
2: Thank you. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, let's just discuss uh, the trade last week uh, with the the New York Knicks and what you thought of it when it happened uh, and uh, where the Raptors go moving forward after this deal.
2: Yeah, I was uh, a little surprised. I mean, you know, we figured something was going to happen at some point with the, the sort of pending contract expirations that this team has and, you know, Ananobi and, of course, also still on the books in Siakam and Trent. Uh, so, you know, something was expected to give at some point here, particularly given the sort of largely uninspiring, disappointing results in the first 30-odd games of this season under Darko Rajakovich. Um And, yeah, you know, there was a bit of a school of thought that maybe Ananobi being younger than Siakam was the guy you wanted to kind of hold on to. It timed a little bit better with Scotty Barnes and maybe some of the other pieces you had. But, you know, I think uh, maybe the way that Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster looked at this is that, uh, well, well, we'll see what they can do with Siakam. Obviously, it's going to cost them a pretty penny to keep him, but you know, I think clearly he is the, the sort of higher talent player. That, uh, if they are able to keep Siakam in the long term, trade Ananobi and his defensive chops for some from assets to balance the roster, then, uh, then maybe that is the wise move. You know, obviously, still a lot of things to sort out over the sort of medium term here, as I say, with, with Siakam and Trent's long term status, very much uncertain, but. In the short term, a, a bit a, a much better balanced roster, uh, mm-hmm. turning you know a couple of remnants of the Project Six Nine era into uh, a, you know a, a very capable point guard, a, a very uh, a point guard with an intriguing future in Emmanuel quickly, and of course the, the hometown hero in R.J. Barrett, probably the best Canadian player of the, the eight Canadians to suit up in Raptors history, uh, and a guy who's who's going to give them some. Some scoring punch, or a team that hasn't been a great half-court offensive team for the last couple of seasons, really. Uh, Barrett's the kind of guy who can uh, maybe help help in that regard a little bit.
0: Ian Harrison is our guest on Sports 1440, 40, covers the Raptors uh, for the Associated Press. Uh, you know, even Barrett was, he. you could see it, that he was so excited when he was uh, announced and started and... You know he feels like he wants to be a part of Canadian basketball, and already is. What did you make of him and acknowledging the crowd, and the crowd acknowledging uh, him uh, against Cleveland?
2: Yeah, that was certainly a nice moment last night. The help that they uh, each got, the win there, uh, made all those those cheers and, uh, and smiles a lot more. Uh... Yeah, you know, uh, he he had said afterwards that it was the most meaningful of all the times he's played here in his home city. Uh, and I, you know, I really think that he can become a very quick fan favorite here. I'm, I'm, I expect to see a lot of number nine jerseys around the arena in the in the next couple of weeks. You know, the Raptors are out of town now for two weeks, but once they're back, I think well, that's something that we'll probably start seeing. Uh, maybe people will put away those uh, Kyle Lowry or Fred VanVleet or Demar Derozan jerseys that have a uh, that are no longer as as uh, topical and, and pick up something fresh, uh, you know. We'll see. R. J. Obviously a really talented player. Uh, his, his scoring has taken a bit of a, a dive this season. His shooting is down a little bit this season. But you know, I, I, I obviously the, the potential is there. I, I, I really think that this is a guy who, you know, he doesn't have to be their leading scorer. Obviously, I think Scotty and Pascal are going to be the, the, you know, the guys who are going to shoulder the, the bulk of the load there. But but just by being an exciting, dynamic. Athletic player, I think R.J. is really going to win over a lot of people uh, pretty quickly here.
0: Well, Emmanuel, quickly, as you say quickly, it's kind of funny that you would say that because R.J. Barrett for sure will win over uh, crowd and country. Uh, Emmanuel, quickly, you know, you can see that he has the ability to be a top-notch player in this league. Uh, can he be the key to this trade?
2: Yeah, he might be. That's a, it's, a, it's a fair question for sure. You know, a guy who was the runner up for the NBA Six Man Award last year, kind of blocked by Jalen Brunson in, in New York, uh, and, you know, not really getting the opportunity. Uh, but, but yeah, obviously, you know, a big upgrade on what the Raptors had. You know, they, they when, with Van Vliet leaving in the offseason, the, the Schroeder signing, you know, Schroeder's had some good games here in the early part of the season, uh, you know, been very, very capable facilitator of the offense, obviously. But, uh, yeah, quickly is just a, a big step up there, um, a much, much more dynamic, uh, you know, aggressive offensive talent, I think. And, and you, you saw last night, uh, you know, just kind of flashes of what he might be able to start bringing to this team once he gets a bit more comfortable, gets a bit more, uh, you know, mm-hmm. plugged into what's going on around him and, and how to work best with guys. But a couple of couple of times, you know, uh, he combined with RJ on on the first basket of the night. Barrett passed it quickly for a, uh, uh, for a three, and then later quickly showing some nice uh, inter- interchange with Hurdle on the screen and roll. So, uh, a lot to like with quickly for sure. And uh, and yeah, as you say, you know, I think as as this as time goes by, he, he very well may turn out to be the the most critical acquisition here.
0: Ian Harrison is our guest on Sports 1440. Ian, uh, what what do you think management management is going to do with Pascal Siakam here coming up in the near future?
2: <laughs> Try to find a price point <laughs> that works for everybody. I think yeah, that's that's what they should be doing anyway. Uh, in my opinion, uh, yeah, you know, I I mean, certainly Pascal is not the perfect player, but I think you know it's it, it's difficult to imagine a scenario. Are short of trading him and, and bringing back pieces, but even even in that scenario, you'd have to really make a home run trade to bring back something that would even come, you know, that would that would have a chance of of duplicating or exceeding what you're getting from him already. Uh, so yeah, you know, basically, can you can you afford not to keep him? I think is, is kind of the question you have to answer. What happens if you lose him? Uh, how are you going to replace that scoring? How are you going to replace what he gives you? Uh, so yeah, I think they, I think it's, they're kind of, you know, in this, in this position where they kind of have to, uh, figure out how to keep him around, how to make him happy because, uh, um, you know, obviously a couple of assets have walked out the door for nothing here or or next to nothing in the, in the last few years. And, uh, and that's not a great way to, to sort of build and develop your team. So, uh, I think fine, you know, the, probably the Raptors are better off if they can keep and sign Pascal Siakam clearly and, uh and that's what they should be striving to do. That, that may is easier said than done. It may, uh, But, uh, you know, there are max contracts for a reason, and, and it's fair to say I think that Pascal probably deserves one.
0: Ian Harrison, uh, AP, covers the Raptors, our guest on Sports 1440. Would you say that right now that this is a kind of a fork in the road situation for this team moving forward, what happened last week and what's going to happen here in the next little while? Is that a fair assessment right now with this team?
2: In terms of the, the contract decisions that are looming with these guys, like Siakam and, and Trent, you mean?
0: Mm-hmm, yes, and, you know, what they're going to do that and what they pulled in, the direction that they, uh, you know, what they figure with, with uh, Barrett and Quickly, just uh, what yeah. direction the team is going moving forward here.
2: Yeah, I don't, I mean, you know, one thing with Masai Ujiri, he never wants to put him, you know, paint himself into a corner, right? Like, he's, he's going to, he doesn't want to make any kind of decision that without sort of having a chance to, evaluate it as much as possible first so my my guess is what they will do is sort of use the next month six weeks here as, as we approach the NBA trade deadline see what they've got with this group and 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 uh, you know try to and then obviously in the background I'm sure they're going to continue negotiating on a uh, you know a long term deal with Pascal presumably uh, and uh, you know if, if they like what they're seeing that will kind of inform things if they don't like what they see in, in uh in games over the next six weeks, then yeah, maybe they're more inclined to, to do something to kind of, you know, to, to move pieces and, and try to make a bit of a longer term mm-hmm. play. But yeah, I just don't get the sense that that's, you know, the, the other thing with with the Ujiri brain trust is I don't think they want, you know, a, a long-term, I don't think they, I don't think the organization can really stomach a long-term uh, rebuilding project here, you know, like there's always already a, a little bit of, uh, maybe malaise is not the quite right word but you know this team seven eight games under 500 heading into last night we've seen you know a few empty seats in the arena a few empty boxes just a little bit less energy in the building uh, you know i don't i don't think they uh, i don't think they have any appetite for for a tear down here i think they want to kind of make this get this thing back on the on the rails as quickly as they can uh, so i'm not so sure about forking the road so much i think it's just sort of uh, you know the the next step on on trying to trying to build back towards competitive respectability and and you know getting towards the top of the eastern conference again as fast as they can it's not i don't think they're they're headed towards the tear down and and draft pick accumulation process they're just trying to find some talent and and maybe keep some talent too uh you know that's not to say that there isn't still a chance to look at this roster and see how it plays together here in, in the next month and a half and 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 uh and see if it's coming together. But, uh, uh, my guess is that they would rather keep their assets and build up quickly than, than go that sort of, you know, like, uh, total teardown route
0: for sure. Uh, Ian, uh, at 13 and 20 going on the road here, I think six straight on the road. Do you think this team can still make a push for a playoff spot?
2: Uh, short answer. Yes. (laughs) I think they're going to get better. I think, uh, you know, we saw last night the kind of the, the sort of first steps in putting this new roster together. Uh, it's not going to be easy. I think they've they're dug themselves a bit of a hole. They're right down there at the, you know, the, the bottom of the pile. Just the, you know, the only teams below them are the really terrible teams, Charlotte and, and Washington and Detroit. Uh, but they're not, you know, they're not far off the play-in spots. But I think, you know, I, getting back to top six might be, Tricky. It's going to take a fairly Herculean effort. I think that they certainly have the talent to get into the, you know, get back into that playing area. Uh, but yeah, it's very much a sort of mushy middle there in the East. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think can they be better than Atlanta or Chicago? A couple of teams ahead of them. I think so for sure. Uh, but you know, are they are they going to compete with the top of the conference even with this roster? I don't think I can see that. I don't think they're, you know, they're they're still a ways off the level of that Boston, Philly, Milwaukee trio. Uh, so upper reaches of the play-in, yes, sixth spot, maybe. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm not super optimistic of their postseason fortunes, you know, getting in and and winning around or anything like that. But you know, they should they should definitely be competing. That's where they ought to be for sure. Just pushing for that sixth spot and uh, and and trying to trying to secure a postseason berth that way.
0: Yeah, that loss to Detroit was a tough one. What would you make of that?
2: Oh, yeah. It, uh, I mean, it had to happen at some point, I guess. And you know, the kind of conditions were were sort of ripe there. You know, Toronto coming off a, a tough back-to-back, a really tough game in Boston and, and a very good effort there. And, uh, you know, players short, couple, three players. So, you know, changing rotations and, and all that, what that means. Uh, and, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> to even the Pistons, having sort of looks as if they had it in the bag, made every effort to get it back in the last minute there. And uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe one one time you try to play that game, and, and the, the Raptors do pull it out, grab a loose ball or something, and and down the stretch, uh, you know, it's it's frustrating in the moment to, to lose to a team like that that you feel like you ought to be beating. Uh, but uh, you know, I. I yeah, it's, I think uh, having given it a few days, it's it's hard to get too bent out of shape about it. And mm-hmm. uh, when you when you really think about the circumstances, um, and you know, certainly no knock on the players. You know, I mean, you they saw, saw the way they came back in the second half in that game. It wasn't like they quit or anything like that. It was a, a full on effort. Just just didn't quite have uh, have what it took on, on the day.
0: Hey Ian, thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, have a great 2024. Happy New Year, and uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. That's Ian Harrison, Associated Press, covers the Toronto Raptors. Big win last night over Cleveland, as we mentioned, 124-121. And good to see, you know, another Canadian in the mix in RJ Barrett when he comes over from the trade. And uh, there could, you know, the the key to this trade, as we talked about, Emmanuel Quickly could be a big, big compliment and a real good one-two punch with Scotty Barnes. Uh, We'll see what happens with the Raptors uh, moving forward. Uh, Once again, uh, Canada, big loss to Czech, 3-2, a goal with 11 seconds left. Uh, His second of the game, Jakob Stansel, as the Czechs beat Canada, eliminating the Canucks from the World uh, Junior Hockey Championship. When we come back, are you in or are you out? The Duke and I will go head-to-head once again. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, and hallelujah, the text line has been resurrected. And you know what? I really missed it, Duke. For two and a half hours, we didn't have the text line going. I missed the interaction. I missed the interaction that we have with all our great listeners. So we're going to get to a few of them now, Um, and these all came in basically... I'm, You know, people were texting all morning, but now they just all came in basically a flood of texts. We'll get to as many as we can just before we get to uh, are you in or are you out? Uh, A lot of texts obviously uh, coming up about Canada's loss to check 3-2, a goal with 11 seconds left, so Canada's World Junior hopes and dreams are out. Uh, This comes from LJ in Lloydminster. Uh, Hockey development in Canada needs to focus less on toe drag, saucer passes. Etc. Teach kids how to hit the net with shots. Drive the front of the net. On the bright side, 3,500 tickets just became available for the gold medal game. Yes. Um, B. Texan in. First period cost us. Can't play 39 minutes and 49 seconds. Expect to win at this level. Uh... What a down! What uh, I'm not catching what, he, what he's laying down here for the rest of it. But uh, HVAC Nick says there was uh, also Oregon versus Liberty, not as important of a bowl game, but like me, there's probably quite a few Ducks fans. Horrible, horrible game though, uh, putting them against Liberty. That was a bad that how Liberty gets into a bowl game of that magnitude. I know they're undefeated, but they were ranked 23rd coming in. I think.
3: Yeah, yeah, Dumb. it. Uh- yeah, the New Year's Six, I mean, hey, you got to fill them out, and it is what it is. I'm I'm sh- I'm sure Oregon was uh, happy to – well, I mean, everybody, they're going to get a bowl game mm-hmm. and, a, and a prominent one, but I think probably a little disappointed with their opponent. But, I mean, hey, you get a win, a big one, um, and so you're not as concerned about maybe whoever's sitting out or whatever. You can feel pretty confident going in and, and get the, the mojo should've as positive a, as possible. Should
0: have thrown FSU at Oregon. Could you imagine that?
3: <laughs> well <laughs> – with, uh, what was with the score in the Georgia game? 60? Sixty-three
0: to three. Oh, I mean that's just, and we'll talk about that as well here. Uh, Stare Farmer, or sorry, Jester, checks in, having trouble scoring. Maybe they should have invited Riley Height. He's only the leading scorer in the whole CHL. Point taken. Hey, and then our uh, regular uh, roll call. Stair Farmer checks in. Uh, good morning, boys. Happy New Year and have another great year. Norm in a combine. Happy New Year, Kevin and Duke. Norm in a combine. And Pillman says, Happy New Year, uh, gentlemen. So text line is working again. 1-833-401-1440. Shoot us off a text if you would like, and we'll uh, talk about the New Year, talk about the Oilers, and we'll talk about the World Juniors and everything else. Uh, Time now, though, for Are You In or Are You Out?
2: We had some great time. We're about to have
1: some more. I know that look. I'm putting together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in.
2: Are you in
1: or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. All
3: right, Duke. First edition of In or Out in twenty twenty four, and fear not—we're steering clear of resolutions and uh, all the other, you know, hoopla that comes
0: with the new year. One quick question to you, Duke: Are we should we keep track of the some sort of stats? for you know, uh for how you know, how, I how, don't how know, correct
3: how, we are sometimes I guess or. I like to leave it it's it's a lot like what Connor and I do on mm-hmm. uh, on Fantasy Frenzy uh, when sometimes people would ask us advice we didn't actually keep track of if we what we said to do was correct or not sometimes people would text us and say we were wrong or correct which that's perfectly okay but otherwise I think it's kind of nice to assume that sometimes mm-hmm. we are right and sometimes we are wrong and that is I think the very nature of this business um can't be right all the time <laughs> Well, if it was, everybody would do it.
0: You can be wrong all the time, like in fantasy football for me. But
3: yeah, well, like once again, I, that is actually just impressive going <laughs> uh, going zero eighteen. But uh, I've the, got
0: I've got a couple stats for you. To, we'll talk about that in the ten o'clock hour.
3: Okay, I, I cannot wait. Uh, in the meantime, though, while we're on the topic of the college football and the bowl games and the blowout that was the uh, Sun Bowl or the Orange Bowl. Yes, Orange Bowl uh, between FSU and Georgia. All the uh, hoopla about uh, FSU not getting into the playoff and then half their defense uh, decides to sit out or was missing due to injury. I'm saying that uh, if earning any NIL money, players should not be allowed to opt out of college football bowl games.
0: I'm 100% in on this. Um, It's gotten to epidemic stages. I mean to see the amount of players opting out, and yes, the NIL uh, money is a big factor, and these players are, you know, are getting compensated. Not all of them; some of them are. No question about it. You have to be playing in the bowl games. I'm gonna. I would take it a step further, and another, uh, not just the players, but if I'm all the sponsors, two two things: sponsors of all these bowl games. If I'm I mean, I don't know. Whatever you can talk about, uh, Allstate, Tostitos, all the ones like the Duke's Mayo. Talk about every one of these sponsors. I would, I would be getting together and saying to college football and going, "We're not, we're not sponsoring these anymore." Sorry, we're not giving you millions and millions of dollars. Same with the television uh, rights. Same with the TV companies, uh, TV networks, and and they would go to the college football uh, to the bowl people and say, "We're not, we're not. Why?" Why Why are we giving you all this money? All your players are opting out or portals. Something has to change. And it, and money always talks. It always comes down to money. Take away all of that and you will see these players playing.
3: It, it boils down to the fact that if we're going to start treating these guys like pros, then... They have to have, like, it's it's contractual, basically. Right, You can't sit out just because you want to. In the past, I was more than all right with guys opting out of bowl games. I mean, almost everybody would still play in the, uh, you know, the semifinals or the national championship, of course. Uh, That kind of usually will take precedent. But if you wanted to sit out because you're going into the draft, you don't want to risk injury, well, you're being paid now. You can't just not show up to work if you're being paid and I know it's, it's all, they're not technically being paid. It's all, you know, sponsorship money and in the community, whatever. But like, there has to be some sort of in between here where if you are on an NIL money, it is a con like make it contractual that you are required if healthy to play in every game of your season, including bowl season. It, it's just frustrating. I think they're going
0: to get around it somehow. It's again frustrating
3: hallways, because right? it makes yep. the, the quality of these games so much lower. Right. I mean, I mean, it, like that, that Saturday night game was spo- or Saturday afternoon game was supposed to be like the real test. D- does FSU belong in the in the national championship consider uh, conversation? Four, yep. And and like after that, everyone could say, well, they got blown out, but half their defense wasn't playing. So it's it's frustrating for the fans, um, and I would think then in turn the people, like you said, shelling out big money for sponsorship, mm-hmm. TV, etc. Before we steer away, uh, Alabama losing yesterday. Nick Saban is not a young man anymore, and Alabama is no longer the lone powerhouse uh, across college football that we've seen in the past. I'm saying that before he retires, Nick Saban will not win another national championship.
0: How old is old Nicky boy?
3: I meant to bring that up, but I got distracted by the text line coming back to life. (laughs) I was too excited.
0: 72 Oh, that's a good question. I think I'm going to go. I am. Uh, I'm agreeing with this. So I'm going to say I'm in on this. He won't win another national championship before retiring. It's tough to get out of the SEC. It's uh, even tougher to win, as we saw yesterday. I think at that age if I if he were maybe 65 66 I would probably go the other way but I'm just saying 72 I think he likes doing a little more uh, television work mm-hmm. I could see him branching off into that we see him on you know certain shows podcasts etc so I will go I am uh in on this uh, Nick Saban will not win another national championship before retiring
3: 7 already to his uh, his credit and I think that is uh, the number he will in fact finish with
0: if it's not a record it's above average
3: so I would say so Uh, we just (laughs) chatted with Ian Harrison uh, from Toronto talking about the Raptors and their big trade over the weekend acquiring Canadian RJ Barrett as well as Emmanuel quickly sending OG Ananobi and his defensive prowess down to the New York Yicks Knicks Um, obviously there's one game in for Mm -hmm. each team Uh, each player had some pretty strong debuts for their respective clubs but I'm saying uh, long term the Toronto Raptors will come out uh, as winners of this blockbuster trade
0: I'm going to be in on this one. I think they won the trade only because of Emmanuel quickly. I think he has the potential to turn into something special. Uh, he has the ability to uh, – all kind of shot-making ability. Uh, I will agree with you here, Duke, that, uh, that the Raptors won the blockbuster trade uh, that they executed this weekend. And just to get a Canadian, you know, you think about it over all the years that the Raptors have had, even lower-profile guys, uh, the Canadians. He's only the eighth Canadian, which is – I thought it would be more. Yeah. You know, when I when I kind of looked at the trade, I thought – maybe 15 or 16, but uh, just to be the eighth Canadian. Uh, and again, I think the uh, RJ Barrett uh, uh, jerseys and, uh, will be just flying off the shelves in Toronto.
3: That, that you took the point exactly. That I was about yeah. to say, like even obviously on the court will matter a lot in dictating the, you know, the, the winners and losers of this. And who knows, it, it very well could shape up to be a win-win situation uh, with OG getting the new, the new start in New York. But, the, the marketing side of things, we talked about it extensively when Shohei was rumored to be coming to the Blue Jays. And, you know, the money spent, the money invested, how quickly you can get that back. Having a high-profile Canadian on the Toronto Raptors means so much for basketball in the country. Uh, we saw a huge surge after they made their run to the championship. Uh, but since then, I think it had like the Raptors have kind of slid back into a, a pretty noticeable backseat on the Canadian marketplace, even behind teams like the Blue Jays, because at least the Jays are, you know, leading into seasons, kind of heralded mm-hmm. as the favorites. They were this year. Um, and depending how the rest of this offseason shakes out, we'll see where they're at next year. They're expected to compete. The Raptors, they're not really in that spot. And, and like Ian said, they're not necessarily going to tear it down and do a uh, trust the process rebuild or anything. But they're—they're uh, they're, in the NBA, you're at the top or you're not. <laughs> and the Raptors certainly uh, are not right now.
0: Uh, you know, and I kind of disagree with Ian Harrison talking about, they could maybe, I think, get to a plan eight or nine. I don't see. Them but what getting, does it matter? Yeah. Well, at least you can win. Well, look what happened last year with Miami, though.
3: I guess. But but Miami—that's a team that was just in the finals. I mean, this is this is any other team in that spot. I don't think you put in the same consideration because the the Heat were basically the same team that had been in the finals. Um, and I mean, yeah, regular season—it is what it is. Who knows? Maybe they're kind of taking the uh, the MLB approach where it, you know placing higher doesn't really matter. Just <laughs> get in and, and see what happens. Arizona, save, save yourselves, right? So. Uh, Moving over to hockey, Oilers back in action after the uh, New Year's Day off. Um, When you look down the Oilers' list of leading scorers right now, of course, we have Zach Hyman, 21 goals, Leon Dreisaitl, 17, Evander Kane, 14, Connor McDavid, 13, a pair of players at 9, a pair of players at 7. That's 8 total, currently with 7 goals or more. I'm saying that 7 Oilers will be 20 goal scorers this season.
0: It's a very tough question because basically you're banking this on... Warren Fogle getting 20?
3: Him or Ryan McLeod. Or I Ryan I think, uh, obviously, both of their games, uh, Warren Fogle been very consistent mm-hmm. for the majority of the season. McLeod kind of coming on as of late and piling up uh, a number of them. That that would... Or, uh, and then, I mean, hey, maybe both of them and, uh, and Evan Bouchard just continues to rack up assists and maybe doesn't hit the 20-goal plateau. But I would think that the, uh, the current top six scores and one of Warren Fogle or Ryan McLeod cracks the 20-goal
1: barrier.
0: I'm out on this just by a hair... 20 goals is a lot in today's NHL. And I think you might end up with six here, but that would have a lot to do. I mean, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has to start scoring too. Yes. You know, he only has nine goals, same as Evan Bouchard. I'm going to go, I'm out on this, only because it is so difficult uh, to, to score at this rate. And Fogle and McLeod are both having a, you know, they're on a little bit of a run right now. So... I see this as I'm out, but it's close. Mm -hmm. It's close. And Bouchard, again, 20 goals for a defenseman. It's It's an incredibly
3: impressive feat to to accomplish. So, uh, yeah, if I had to make my pick, I would say it will be likely Warren Fogle because of his consistency and his... Bigger upside in the top six, I guess, uh, with the skill set. McLeod, of course, moving up to the wing. Uh, who knows if that will last? There's a good chance he will be pressed back into third-line center duty, which will probably restrict his ability to to put up totals. So I will uh, I will say it's Warren Fogle to join the likes of Bouchard, Nugent Hopkins, and then the other top four scores who uh, are almost locks at this point, barring injury, to to hit the twenty-goal plateau. Final one for you, Kevin, and uh, the holiday season kind of unofficially over i guess as we get back uh, into january uh second following the new year celebrations and i don't know about anyone else but sometimes right as soon as you're done some time off you just start thinking about maybe your next time off and what you want to do for a, a vacation here in the back half of winter where our weather is likely to turn a little more sour whatever the case uh and i see these commercials all the time i've never been on one <laughs> but this is purely guessing I think that cruise vacations, heading out on the big boat, wherever you're going, whether it's Alaska, Caribbean, down the coast, I think they are very underrated when stacked up against other types of vacations.
0: Okay. How many cruises have you been on? I
3: just said none, but it just seems like it'd be a really good time.
0: Wow. First of all, a holiday, any time a holiday. Okay. First of all, you said... I'm ta- you're talking Caribbean or Alaska or Where, somewhere
3: wherever you want to go.
0: What about in Europe down all the rivers? Those are you see all the fancy ones. down I don't
3: know. Like down the rivers. I don't know. about. Well, that.
0: but at least you're, you know, you can see land, man. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and then, I'm saying this as a person like I'm not a water person. I, uh, I don't swim very well. Like uh, maybe once I got out there. I'd like start to panic when you don't see any land mm-hmm. for days straight. But I just think like, obviously you're dropping in on different countries. You get a little bit of land time. It's like most of them are kind of the all inclusive nature of any other resort vacation down to uh, Central America. It, it just kind of seems like it's a really unique um, vacation that it kind of gives you elements that you can't really get from any other, uh, any other option. So mm-hmm. I, I think I'd like to go on one at some point in my life. Maybe it's when I'm retired, but by then the boats will be flying probably. Boats. I, could, I
0: could see you on like uh, the. I would see you like uh, like as a shrimp shrimp captain, you know, like uh, Bubba <laughs> Gump or you know Lieutenant Dan. That's where I see you as far as cruise vacations go. Uh, I'm out on this or, or no. I'm have you been I mean, on one? No, oh. never gonna go on one ever. Oh, not a chance. Doesn't even entice it you. Does, a little no, bit? I would never go on a cruise ever. I would never go on a cruise. Huh. Not even like you see those great big Disney ships. Yeah. Not a like, sniff. You can go
3: bowling on the boat. You can uh, play some, uh, what's the, it's sh- like shuffleboard, but on the floor with yeah, the big sticks.
0: Post, yeah, you yeah. What's yeah. that called? Whatever it's called, there's 90-year-old people playing it.
3: Exactly. I'd what wipe, it is. I'd wipe the floor I'm of them. Sure I'd be, would, I'd be yeah. laying
0: down uh, some bills. It's not contact shuffleboard on the ship deck or whatever you want to call right. it.
3: I could adapt it. I'm sure. Just you just a little convincing to get everybody in on the same page before you start <laughs> lowering the boom on them over the railing. Um, but there's so like movie theaters,
0: bowling. I, I just think it'd be cool to check out. You know the other thing I've I've heard, and I don't think they are they inclu- all inclusive. These ones,
3: I think you can get ones that are yeah. like it's it's obviously yeah. a lot more upfront. But basically, then yeah, you get your wristband, and whether it be at the dinner at the the fancy dinners the the shrimp cocktail bar the the pool the events whatever it's all you just show up and and do whatever you want and you don't spend a penny the whole time just like um uh, yeah. down down and actually like no. tip, tipping and stuff like that but
0: ah uh, I'm out I'm not going on a cruise anywhere so the, they they shouldn't even be classified in vacations how's that sound so I'm out
3: oh, all right then well I guess I will <laughs> even
0: Con- Connor Halley's here Happy New Year Connor he's shaking his head as well. He's going no possible way that he would even think about going on a cruise.
3: I went on a cruise. I was saying they're thumbs up. Oh. They've got basketball. I thought you were ha-
0: with my answer.
3: No, no. I was saying cruises are a big thumbs up. I Where? went to Alaska. Is there we it? go. Okay. I'm here. convinced. But I will say this. It, all inclusive. So you get food. And the one I went on, you had to buy an alcohol package, which, which came is- with like gourmet coffees, all the, the pop you wanted and everything. How much was that? Uh, I forget. You could, they, it goes on sale. Okay. So you can buy it like on Black Friday That's what we did I think and it was like 500 and They're you, you always advertising it on TV So I think if you're just like watching it You can probably know when to get a good price
0: You guys go on your little cruises <laughs> That'll be a okay. Sports 1440 yeah. Christmas Party
3: you, Part 2 Yeah you guys We go, go from on Bubba Gum Shrimp to an Alaskan Cruise Yeah,
0: yeah. Lieutenant Dan and F- Captain Forrest here <laughs> Oh man uh, well, That was a pretty good one to start off 2024, Duke Good job Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Cat Dad says yes, it's also called shuffleboard. Sizzler says uh, ye of little faith, carry us. I think he's talking about the Oilers' seven goal scores of twenty or more. Sham text in. Florida State was without almost thirty players. This was more of a fu to the selection committee than anything. They clearly have moved the portal till after the games. Sham, they got to do something because it's uh, an absolute. Epidemic. When we come back, top of the hour, we'll have a little uh, open text time. Maybe you want to give us a call. Tell us how your new year went. Uh, 1-833-401-1440. The text line is back, baby. Uh 10.20, we will preview uh, the uh, Flyers and Oilers game with Jordan Hall out of NBS NBCS and uh, our game of the day for uh, St. Albert Dodge. That's coming up uh, in the 10 o'clock hour. Up next is a sports 1440 update with the Duke.